You're listening to the Be a Better Lawyer podcast with Dina Cataldo, episode 229. So how do high-achieving lawyers break through generations of being taught that we have to grind ourselves into the ground to get results for clients, build a successful business, and create a life we love? While law schools are busy teaching the rule of law, they're slacking on teaching us how to be a better human to create for ourselves the success we thought we'd achieve after law school. This podcast bridges the gap between law school and life. Today, I want to introduce you to my new friend, Gary Miles. He is a practicing lawyer and also a coach for lawyers who feel stuck or unfulfilled. Gary is also a big advocate for lawyer wellness, and you all know we need more of those in this world. In this episode, we talk about Gary's multiple lives as a lawyer. We touch on substance abuse and how to recognize signs of a deeper underlying issue with those around us, the consequence of not going after your dreams, and how the stories we tell ourselves either hold ourselves back or serve us. One topic we touch on in this episode is also time management and how we think about our time. And if you're struggling to manage your time or feel overwhelmed, I want to encourage you to download the Busy Lawyer's Guide. I've created a step-by-step process that will walk you through the mindset and the action steps you can take to begin making your life easier. One lawyer who downloaded the Busy Lawyer's Guide told me she had tried a ton of different things, and this was the only tool that ever worked for her. If you notice yourself feeling anxious, a new planner is not going to help you. Managing your time has nothing to do with the kind of planner you use. It has to do with how you strategize when you use any calendar system you're using. I walk you through the strategy and the reasoning behind it inside the Busy Lawyer's Guide. You can download it at dinacataldo.com forward slash busy lawyer. That's dinacataldo.com forward slash busy lawyer. All right, let's talk to Gary. Hello, Gary. How are you doing today? I'm doing just awesome. Thank you so much for having me on, Dina. It's my pleasure. I'm really glad that we're going to have this conversation because I think more lawyers need to hear about other lawyers' journeys and how we've been able to change things for ourselves. And you and I have chatted before, and we've talked about some of the transitions that both of us have faced in our careers and our lives. And I really wanted to share with the people listening that you can make changes in your life, that you can face things that might seem really hard in whatever transition that you're making, and you can always overcome it and live a more fulfilling, more successful as who, however we want to define it, life. That's so, true. That's true. Yeah. I, I often talk about the importance of being uncomfortable. You know, when, when I started practicing law. I just want to have a life of comfort. I want to have the bills paid. I want to have a nice house. I want to be I want to be comfortable. Don't we all want to be comfortable? But we're comfortable mostly in our life because we're doing the same thing we've always done. We've done it a thousand times. We know how to do it. It's easy. It's nothing new. It doesn't require any new skills or talents. And we're very comfortable. But it's also a place that's boring, same old, same old, and not a place where we ever grow. When we're comfortable, we're never growing. And change is always uncomfortable, but good things for me always come out of change. Change often. I started playing pickleball during COVID with my daughter and son-in-law when there's nothing else we could do with them. I was terrible 
I was embarrassing. But now it's become an avocation that I love and I'm decent at and I can play it and enjoy it. So often, even if we fail at something the first time, we're learning, we're growing, we're developing new skills, and we may find the lane that for us is truly fulfilling. Oh, that's a great point because a lot of times I'll talk to lawyers who tell me they don't know what they're interested in, they don't know what they want, and then they don't pursue anything because they tell themselves they just don't know versus like just trying things and being willing to be bad at them, being willing to fall on your face and maybe look stupid <laughs> and be uncomfortable. But in the process, not only are you gaining the skills of whatever is happening in your life that you're trying, you're also learning something about yourself and learning what you might enjoy even more than you think. That is so true. So often we say no to something just out of our own fear or own insecurity or worry about what other people will think. Um, but the reality is every new experience we have, we learn, we may learn we don't like that, you know, but we, we may learn we have a skill or an aptitude for something that we didn't know we had, something we enjoy more or differently than whatever we might be doing now. Yeah. You know, what came to mind when you were saying that is when I was first I had a business years ago and I started it. I had no idea what I was doing and I knew I needed a website. And so I Googled everything about websites, how to build one. I had like a little course that I looked at and I figured out how to build my website on my own. And it was really hard. And I remember there were like days I would spend on this website and just be like, what the heck is happening? I hate this. <laughs> this is so hard. But it was something that I am so glad I went through because I've learned those skills. And I didn't know that a couple of years later that I would be easily changing up my website for my coaching business, that I would be easily navigating the website to post my podcast and doing all these things. And when we're doing something that's hard and we want to bang our head against the wall, we can't see the compound effects of the hard work that we're putting in that's going to reap benefits. And just it could be a really short time. Well, that's true. All you were laying the groundwork for something you didn't know you'd be doing. Exactly. You know, developing that by developing that skill and, and learning something new. Yeah. And you don't know until you just try things. Yeah. Right. Exactly right. Okay. So there is there are a couple of things that I really wanted to talk to you about. I know that you've had multiple lives as a lawyer. Can you share a little bit about um why you became a lawyer in the first place and take us through your journey? Sure. Um, the why I became a lawyer is pretty simple. I've always followed in my brother's footsteps. He's nine years my senior. Uh, great guy. Um, I went to the same college he went to, and I went to the same law school he went to, and I think I became a lawyer because he became a lawyer, and it interested me. I saw what he was doing in the practice of law, um, and, and I did very, very well in law school. I clerked for, in federal court for a year, and with that resume, I could have gone anywhere I chose pretty much, um, either out of a sense of appreciation or loyalty, I retained, returned to the same small firm where I'd worked in throughout law school. And nice folks, it wasn't for me. It was um, just commercial work, just advising, and I wanted to become a trial lawyer. I wanted to be in court. So my first transition was kind of leave that kind of a practice and go with a firm that was sort of a boutique litigation defense firm. And I did a lot of defense work, mostly for insurance companies, mostly representing truck drivers and 
tractor trailers, which are not a preferred party. Most people don't say, I just love trucks and truck drivers. So it wasn't really easy, but I was good at it and it was fun. I had nice, when your insurance company is a client, they're intelligent, they understand. So they're kind of easy to work with in that sense. But as time went on, I became somewhat, I wanted something more. Um, it's very much a game. Um, um, pretending they're hurt less than they are, pretending they're hurt more than they are, each hiring our own experts who always say the same things. I want something that's a little more real and where my connection with my client was deeper because I might often have never met my client before and that and would never meet him since a truck driver. I'd be hired to represent a truck driver. I wouldn't know him, never know him after. And I wanted to have a real experience. So in 2009, I completely reinvented myself as a family law attorney. Um, I was around that time going through my own divorce, which was as amicable as they get. Um, I had referred out all the other divorce work that I had previously when I was so busy doing insurance work, but I wanted to do this uh, on my own. So the fellow who was my divorce attorney, very nice guy, um, He's about 12 years my senior and still practicing full-time. He's done family law exclusively since the mid-50s, I think, and for some long period of time. And he was my mentor. He answered all the questions I didn't know the answers to, um, gave me forms. When my client would call with one of these weird questions out in his family law, he was there to answer it for me. And um, I'm so appreciative of what David Silverberg did for me. Um he didn't ask to be compensated, he didn't ask for anything in exchange. We since have helped each other out in numerous ways, but our friendship grew from that. And now I love being a family law attorney. I love helping people. Um, and I've now transitioned to a different role. My wife, um, who second wife, we've been married for 12 years. When we got married, she wanted to become a nurse. So she went to, got a bachelor's degree while we we're married, became an RN. Since it's gotten two master's degrees, become a director of nursing. We've had a home in Pinehurst, North Carolina, which is kind of a golf mecca. I played competitively in high school and college. I wanted to retire here, but not yet. Ended up that she was checking out kind of jobs, got a great job here. And last June left to come to my dream home in North Carolina while I'm still up there fighting with divorce lawyers in Baltimore. So I followed her down. I transitioned out of my law firm, which is now run by my son and still work with it, um, go up to try a case in a couple of weeks, um, handle our incoming cases, but generally don't work that much in my law firm. So what can I do? And I have a passion for health and wellness. I've been sober for quite a long time. I chaired the lawyer assistance committee in my county in Maryland for over 20 years. We would try to find lawyers and judges who are struggling with um, wellness issues, whether it's depression or anxiety or substance abuse, and help them um, show them a better way. And had some amazing stories that were so uplifting and fulfilling. Um, but I would say not enough. Uh, I wanted to find more lawyers who are not yet folks who come to our program when they're really on the radar. Someone, a judge, a partner, a spouse referred them to us. I, I'd like to find people before it gets to that problem where they have to be identified and help them to be as successful and fulfilled as they want. So now I've built a service somewhat like, like you do, where we help lawyers be as happy and fulfilled and successful as they want. And a big part of that to me is both 
mental health wellness and and physical wellness because if we're stressed and anxious and depressed we're not going to be good lawyers and we're not going to be happy lawyers and that's kind of the first step that's not the result of that's what we have to do first is handle our mental health so we can bring our best self into the office with our co-workers our staff with the other lawyers we deal with and really be as good as we're capable of yeah you know as you were talking i was thinking about you know in court we are around lots of lawyers and lawyers talk judges talk and we hear a lot of little complaints in chambers in you know the courtroom about oh this lawyer's late all the time or this lawyer doesn't do his job or this lawyer doesn't do xyz you know so there's all these little things and i just want to offer for anyone listening that those might be signs of a deeper underlying issue that hasn't been addressed and so to have compassion for those lawyers when they they come on your radar and that's not something i was always good at it was when i really got into coaching and realized like oh there are a lot of people who have underlying issues as a lawyer they're going through burnout they're going through substance abuse problems they're going through time management issues divorce you know those kinds of things are happening in their lives and that could be creating that that <laughs> what we see is like that surface layer of they're late they don't appear to be focused they're not showing up the way we need them to yeah you're exactly right you're exactly right i think what i've learned is um you know it's okay to ask for support um whether it's me asking david silverberg for support i had lunch with david i want to become a family law attorney would you teach me what i know or you know in in if someone's struggling with substance abuse to not publicly but privately reach out to someone and say you know i don't i don't want to be drinking or whatever as much as i am you know what can i do how can you help what resources do you have whatever it is um there are people who are here to help and help us to be as successful as we can and i, I like what you said about kind of not judging the lawyer that is spoken about um i've learned the only person that i should be judging is myself you know how am i doing today versus how I did yesterday and last year. Um, you said many people have issues. I, I suspect we all have issues of- Oh, all, yeah, also, we all have also, Some more serious than others. <laughs> and often my experience is the person who acts the worst to me is the person who has the biggest personal issues going on. Um, I've had a couple, I had one circumstance where I was chairing a big meeting at a club, hundreds of people. And this one person was extremely rude. I mean, he was, unquestionably rude and inappropriate and nasty and unfair and everybody behind me said put him in his place whatever um i just listened to him and and tried to kind of get past it and then later found out that he had two terrible issues with two of his sons one was having open heart surgery at age 10 and very dangerous and risky the other was severely autistic and it was no wonder that he he came and presented himself that way it wasn't because of me it wasn't personal it's because he had stuff going on and a lot of us have have that stuff. Yeah. And in, in the moment, it is so hard to have compassion. So if, if you're hearing this and you're like, oh, I, I just I can't sometimes, you know, you're not alone and that's OK. You know, just do the best you can. But know that sometimes that is the underlying issue. 
Right. I've noticed that with me myself. Like I can, I can say that I, under the biggest stressors of my life, I'm not always well-behaved, right? Like if you're under the biggest stressors of your life, you're probably not going to be well-behaved either. (laughs) So true. So true. Okay. So there were a couple of things I wanted to talk to you about there. One was your 2009 reinvention. Okay. When you really decided you wanted to, you felt this calling for more. And a lot of us feel that calling, but not all of us honor that calling. So how did you recognize you had that calling and then decide you were going to honor it? Well, part of it was inflicted on me instead of chosen to be candid. I had done work mostly for two insurance companies and one was moving in a different direction. And if I had been smart, I would have seen that having being pretty much a sole practitioner and having two primary clients was not a safe place to be. <laughs> and, and so it made me realize I wanted more diversity. And, it, and I went to work with clients who I felt truly appreciated what I what I did for them. And, um, you know, so I, I mean, I took a bit of a leap, I invested in a website when my revenues didn't warrant it, and in a whole different area. Um, but I tell you, it really paid off. It really paid off. We built a nice practice in family law. And you know, some people say, how can you be a family law attorney? How do you, how do you not let that drama get to you? Well, I, I love helping and supporting people, but it's never my drama. I mean, I don't, I don't go to bed at night, worry about my clients. You know, one called me right before this call was something fairly urgent. I handled it. I was empathetic. I listened, but it wasn't my, you know, it wasn't my problem. So, um, and it's the same when I came here in, in North Carolina, what am I going to do? I chose to become a coach. I really, calling is a good word, but it's almost too strong. It was more like a subtle hint or an intuition that had to, sit i had to sit with it for a while and i had to kind of let it be until it really boiled up to the surface it's like oh that's what i'm supposed to be doing you know that's what i need to be doing i wish it was you know a calling like i wish i got an email like this should be what you should be doing next but often we just figure out from you know circumstances as they present themselves you know which is so interesting because when i say calling i think of it as like a yearning like you yearn for something more Right. So I think in some ways, the word calling, the way that our society uses it is like, oh, somebody just tells you like, and you're just going to suddenly know you're going to wake up one morning and you're just going to be like, boom, light bulb moment. And that was not my experience either. Not, not mine either. I wouldn't criticize, right? your choice, wouldn't criticize your choice of words. Oh, no, no, no. I just, I just explain that for me, it was a little longer term. It wasn't the light bulb going off. It was more, you know, gradually my choice was being lightened up by the sun. Yeah. What what I wanted to really explain for the listeners, not really for you, but <laughs> but it's just like the words that we use can really influence how we think things should happen, how we judge and expect things to happen. And in our society, we do use that word calling. So I think it's a really good idea to just explain what our definition of that is, because they might be hearing something totally different because that's, I definitely do. Like I, I experienced a yearning for something and having no clue what it was and needing to go through that trial and error to figure out what felt right. And like, 
I was on this big journey to get connected, quote unquote, with my intuition, right? I did the whole, I went to Bali, I did all of the things, right? And what I came to realize after that was that there is just what you decide, right? It's what you decide feels right and you decide to go after it. There's no outbound hit that comes in. There's no um, bolt of lightning. And that's what I was expecting. But really what it was is I just decide and then I go for it and then I make mistakes and then I redecide if I don't like it. And I think that's just important for the people we're talking to to know because they might have the impression that they should just know by now, which is what I thought. I don't know. Did you think that way when you were going through life? <laughs> no, no, I think it, it takes it takes a while. And and um, often what I choose to do or I think I want to do doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. And I realize in hindsight, it wasn't supposed to work out. There was a reason life was supposed to go in a different direction. And I'm glad I was you know, pushed along that way. But I, like you, find that it's not a bolt of lightning kind of a thing. Often, I think there are subtle messages that create a feeling inside me that, oh, this is this is what I want. And then the next step for, for me, and I don't know about you, because you create a whole new field for yourself as well. You transformed yourself in, into a coach from, you know, prosecutor, trial lawyer. Um, it is getting over the fear of partly getting over what will people think and getting over what if it doesn't work. Um, and, and uh, am I okay with putting myself out there? All those things that are own mental hurdles that we have to overcome to be successful. Because it's easy to give into those and say, well, I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I have the interest. I have a good job. Now. It's easy to use excuses to stop ourselves from doing what we really want to do but are afraid to do. Yeah. And the excuses sound so reasonable, especially the I don't have enough time or I'll do it later. Those are my right. favorite. Yeah. I mean, those are the ones that I had too. And, and then it's just, okay, how much do I want to be in pain? Cause like the more you're resisting that urge to do something different for me, anyway, I'll speak for myself, the more pain I was in and the less connected to myself I felt. Right. Right. Well said. I agree. So how did you decide that you wanted to enter this lawyer wellness field in all its different permutations? Well, I just realized throughout my life, I've had a a passion to coach and mentor other people. Um, Running my law firm for three decades, I had lawyers and staff who worked with me and I love mentoring them. Um, I've also been someone who whatever I've done, I've always had a mentor or a coach. I think I mentioned to you, I, I played golf. I played golf competitively. Beginning in eighth grade, I've had a golf coach. I don't think I've ever not had a golf coach. And I'm now 67. You think by now I would learn how to play the game, but it really is always helpful to me to have a sounding board and someone who improves my confidence who, and, and that's a sort of an analogy, but in whatever I do, I think it's helpful to be, to have a mentor and to be a mentor. And I find it very, very fulfilling to help other people accomplish their dreams, whatever they might be. And um, I'm blessed that right now I don't really do this um, for the income. That's not my primary why, but my primary why is I find it fulfilling to be of help and service to other people. 
So once it kind of dawned on me that that's what I wanted to do, then I had to get over a lot of hurdles like I'm too old. Who's going to talk to someone who's 67? Um, I'm a male. Most coaches are females. I mean, all these stuff I kept telling myself as a way to hold me back. And when I started my podcast, I spent so long getting ready to get ready. I just wouldn't pull the trigger, you know? So my biggest hurdles weren't the decision, but it was what came after the decision, trying to talk myself out of it or make excuses, you know? Yeah. And it's so interesting that you say that about like, uh, I'm a male and most coaches are female. That's really interesting to me because the most famous coaches in the world are male. Right. So you've got Tony Robbins, Brendan Burchard, you've got all of these male coaches. I'm curious why your brain didn't go to them. Well, because I was trying to, my fear, it was really fear. It wasn't logic. And, and if I said, oh, I could be the next Tony Robbins, well, that's, that's not fear based, you know? So it, it, it was, I'm not saying that everything I was saying was real or true. But I'm saying I was saying that to myself as a way to justify my hesitancy to do something I really wanted to do. Yeah, it, it was a story I was making up. What I find is we we tell ourselves stories that either hold us back or serve us. And me telling myself most lawyer coaches are female is a way of holding myself back from doing something I wanted. I, I don't yes. need to do that. And, and instead of me saying I'm too old to be a coach. Um, I could say I have 43 years of experience and not many other coaches have that. So whatever whatever negative thought we have, we can turn it into to a positive. OK, Even let's put a pin. Let's like let's highlight this. If you're listening to this, I want you to play that back. OK, because what we just talked about are the stories that we tell ourselves and we can either tell ourselves stories that hurt us and hinder us or that help us. I listen to that over again. <laughs> Because <laughs> the stories that we have, just like Gary said, they are not true. Like they are there. They are designed by our brain to keep us in fear so that we don't do anything differently. Okay. So if there's something that you're yearning to do, keep that in mind. Your brain is going to do everything in its power to attempt to derail you and stop you from doing it. Yeah, our, our brain does work that way. That's so that's so true. And, you know, so often when we think about the future, um, you know, I could tell with the podcast, it's, I've, I've started about six months ago, and, and I told myself, no one will want to listen to it. Well, first off, no one knows I haven't started the darn thing yet. I don't know what the truth is. I don't know if people want to listen to it or not. So why tell myself no one wants to listen to it? Maybe I should tell myself, People are going to really like hearing what I have to say. We don't know if either one are true because I haven't started it yet. But tell ourselves something that will help us be successful. Just to draw a stupid little analogy, I, I play competitive golf. And if I'm playing you and we're even on the 17th hole and I have a five-foot putt to stay even, and I think, oh, if I miss this, I'm going to be one hole down with one hole to play, I'm likely to miss it. I'm going to be distracted. I'm going to be thinking about the result. But if I think about, oh, I can make this, I've done this a thousand times, I'm more likely to make it. Neither of those are true because I'm in the putt yet. But what I think about really will affect how I feel and how I bring myself to whatever's before me. Yes. Ah, I love that so much. Okay. I want to honor your time. And I want to make sure that we let everybody know about a couple good things. One of them is your 
eight key tips to maintain boundaries and prevent burnout that I saw on your website. You want to tell them more about that and how they can get their hands on that? Sure. If you go to my website and and you like to get that, just type in your name and your email address. I'll send it to you right away. I think so many lawyers, but other professionals struggle with setting boundaries. We want to be successful. We want to do everything the boss asks. We want to bring in as much business to the firm. And so we say, yes, 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 yes. When sometimes maybe no is the right answer. You know, sometimes we need to communicate what we're capable of and be true to ourselves. And when we set those boundaries, we really can be you know, more fulfilled in our in our job and in, in our home. Yeah. And for your podcast, I mentioned it at the beginning of this one, the Free Lawyer Podcast. Where can they find that? And when do you have new episodes? Um, every it's it's on Apple, Spotify, Google. Um, it's published through Anchor.fm. So you can find it on any of those sites, whether you're Apple or Android user or on your computer, the free lawyer. Mondays, I publish an individual episode where I talk about some mindset issue, whether it's overcoming fear, boundaries and burnout, uh, how to manage stress, whatever it might be. Last, this Monday was all about avoiding blame in the office. How do we handle that office crisis without blaming people? What's a better way to handle it? On Thursdays, I have guest episodes and they come out every Thursday. And, and I usually pick someone who has a service, which is helpful to lawyers. Um, and, and that's what I do on Thursdays. So love to have you all listen. If there's anything any of your listeners like to hear that I haven't covered, they can message me on LinkedIn. I'm very present on LinkedIn. I'm happy to cover any topic that's of interest to folks. Um, this, this week, my kind of my message on LinkedIn has all been about mindfulness and how to be mindful, which is something I struggle with. My brain goes all kinds of places, but being mindful is really, really important to me. Mm, there were a couple more questions that I did want to ask you. One is, what are the books that are on your nightstand right now? Hmm. Well, the one book, one for fun that my daughter gave me is about uh, Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods, a new book about their competitiveness. Golf is my uh, passion or addiction, one or the other. And the other is I'm reading a book by Ron Baker. I'm forgetting the name of it. But it's all about how to build clients on a value-based system instead of an hourly-based system. Because, you know, our, our particularly in family law, People say, how much will this cost? I said, anywhere between 5000 and 7000 I don't know. That's not helpful to the client. Mm -hmm. And and it creates a situation of conflict where the more we work to file, the more we make, and the more we harm them. So there's sort of this inherent conflict in the hourly billing system. So a lot of, some lawyers are creating this new method where they bill for pieces on an agreed price beforehand. I'm really studying that because I think it's important to our profession to look at different ways of generating revenue that are more client friendly. Yeah. And it doesn't all have to be one thing. Like we tend to look at it very black and white, like, oh, it should be hourly. It should be packaged. It's like, no, there's room there to play. Right. So. The one other you asked about my nightstand, the trouble is I read everything on Kindle. So <laughs> maybe forget about having recently read Everyday Legacy. It's fantastic. Um, Cody is the author and, and it's all, he actually was in the funeral business. And it, it, it was his, it came to him that the importance isn't what we leave people, but living our life today to create the memories that we want people to have to us. 
and let that be kind of our guide. And for me, it was very transformational, actually, on a personal level. It caused me to reach out to two family members, kind of apologize for how I'd handled situations and reset them. Mm -hmm. uh, because how I left that, if, if I wasn't here now, it's not how I want to be remembered. That's not who I want to be. So I really like everyday legacy. Oh, thanks for indulging me on that. I love hearing what other people are reading. Is there anything else you want to leave our listeners with? No, just um, enjoy enjoy the moment. Um, the, the biggest thing I've learned in my life is to not live in the past. I'm sober in recovery. So when you get to that place where things we've done in our past that are unsavory, um, bad, um, that's a place of shame and guilt, remorse and regret, and sometimes resentment over how we were treated. I try not to live in the future, which is always a place of worry and fear, and enjoy the present, just to be as present in the moment as, as we can, and enjoy every single moment, because they're all gifts. I love that. One analogy, I just want to throw this one analogy real quickly, that is in this book is, my math may not be right, I think it was, if Dina, you told me I'll give you $84,400, would you take it? Sure, but you have to spend it today. And if you don't spend it today, you have to give it back. So I would be very mindful and purposeful in how I spent that money to make the most of it. Well, that's how many seconds we have in the day. And how many seconds do I waste that I'll never get back, that when I don't use them right, they're gone scrolling, social media, whatever it might be. So it made me realize how important it is to treasure and utilize every moment to the fullest. Mm, that's wonderful. All right, my friend. Thank you. Well, thank so you, much. Dina. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for all you do for, for lawyers, too. Thank you. Gary is so nice. I encourage you to connect with him on LinkedIn, and I will link to everything that we talked about in the show notes at dinacataldo.com forward slash 229. Now, if you listened to today's episode and thought, hmm, this coaching thing sounds interesting. I want to invite you to a strategy session with me. Like we mentioned in this episode, with both of our experiences, it's really easy to put things off. Our brain literally wants to make doing anything new as difficult as possible. No more putting things off. No more letting your brain boss you around. Book a call with me. I promise you that you will not regret it. When lawyers come to strategy sessions with me, I make it my goal to help them get more value, more insight into their lives in one hour than they have gotten in years. Why? Because it's important that we start to challenge ourselves and the way that we think. And over the years, I've learned to create a space where you get to feel comfortable sharing what's really going on in your life yet challenged because I will ask you questions that are going to challenge how you think that might make you uncomfortable. But the great thing is, is that because I've been doing this for so long, I will notice some things, some signals if you're uncomfortable, and I am going to just gently come in and ask you questions. Okay. And we're going to explore that because that's what I do as a coach with my clients is I recognize when there's some discomfort and I start to ask them questions that will gently guide them in the direction where they're going to feel safe to make a decision about what it is that they want. And we talked about this in the last episode on nervous system dysregulation, and that's what I work with my clients on. So I know very well now how to find 
the topics that are going to help us discover where your work is and at the same time, be really kind and gentle with you no matter what it is that you're coming to me with. So when we are challenged in that non-judgmental way, that's when we grow. So if you are ready to grow, if you've been listening to this podcast and you're like, yes, this is for me, book a call with me. Go to dinacataldo.com forward slash strategy session. This is not something that we can afford to wait on. And let me tell you why. Because when we put off our dreams, right? And that's what we were talking about in this episode today. When we put off our dreams, a little part of us dies. And if there is part of you that wants something more, that is being called to something more, that has this desire for something more, and you keep shutting that voice down, eventually the voice will go away and you'll be left with regret. And I've always promised myself I didn't want to live with regret. I wanted to just go after what it is that I wanted. And if I can support other people in that process, great. So book a call with me. Go to dinacataldo.com forward slash strategy session. And I hope to talk to you there. All right, my friend, I hope you enjoyed this episode. This was a really fun one to record. I really hope that you do go and connect with Gary and I will talk to you soon. Bye.